restaurants unstoppable. I've got 99 problems, but an episode ain't one. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? You know who it is, Eric Cacciatore. Bringing you another awesome interview from an incredible guest. I cannot wait to hit play. Uh, this is the podcast for personal growth. If this is your first time, um, I just want to take a second to thank you all for being patient over the past few weeks. I did take a break from asking people to be guests on the show because I just knew how busy they were in their restaurants and I wanted to respect their time. And um, I've been hitting it hard ever since uh, the new year. And we have a great lineup for you going forward. I really do think we'll be able to stick with that three episodes a week talking to some awesome guests. So um, I guess you live, you learn. Next year, I'll do my best to get plenty of shows scheduled out into the future so we don't experience a lag of content like that again. Um, all right, before we hit play, just a reminder, connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. I'm out there. I want to hear your suggestions for the show. And uh, let me know if you can think of anybody who would be a great mentor. I'll go after them for you. All right, here it is. Enjoy it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Nick Cirillo. Nick, how are you? So far, so good. It's it's a fun, nice, chilly Friday morning, and uh, it's early yet, so anything can happen, but we're off to a good start. <laughs> it's only negative 20 degrees. You can handle it. <laughs> uh, are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge for us this morning? I am. I'm uh, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> all right. I cannot wait. Uh, let me just give a quick introduction, Nick, and then I'll pass it over to you. Uh, Nick Cirillo is the founder, CEO, and primary keeper of the purpose and operational values of Nick's Pizza and Pub, the sixth busiest independent pizza company in per-store sales in the United States. Additionally, he is the author of A Slice of the Pie, How to Build a Big Little Business. Uh, Nick's insights have been featured in the New York Times, The Economist, Inc., uh, Fast Company, and investors business daily nick this is just a quick glimpse of what you've accomplished i'm going to pass it over to you now so you can give us the big picture of who you are how you got into the industry and uh, what you got going on today okay well thank you i'm at a pretty good place in my life you know it'll be 20 years this year actually that i opened my first restaurant the the next pizza and pub in crystal lake and i'll just give you a real quick background uh for myself how i got into this I was actually fortunate enough to work in the industry a little bit as a kid. Uh, my dad had, in Chicago, we have what we call beef stands. You know, they're, it's like a little hot dog stand, small place in uh, the Pilsen neighborhood here in the heart of Chicago. So I worked uh, my, as like 10, 11, 12 years old, I worked all through those years with my dad. I had to work all summers with him. You know, that's the way it was. And, you know, so I got some experience in the restaurant business. We only had like four tables in there so it wasn't even full service and then in high school my dad bought a, a little pizza place actually that was just a little carryout place too and then we expanded on it and we put a few seats in there I had about 100 seats wow. uh, so then I started during high school I got a little more experience with a full service restaurant with a full bar and and pizza industry and and, and that's where I really got a, a lot more experience because I started to help my dad with the business and managing a little bit and things like that. Well, by the time I got out of high school, I told my dad I've had enough for the restaurant business. And I actually told him I'm never going to get in the restaurant business again. So I thought, right, so much for saying never. And I, I told him I wanted to build houses. I like being, I like carpentry. And so I went out and got into the construction business did that for about 12 years, 11 years, something like that. And uh, by that time, I had three kids of my own, and I had moved out to the suburbs. And me and my brother had a pretty successful construction business. We were building custom homes. And I realized when my kids were, let's see, they were two, four, and six, um, we went out to eat, and it just dawned on me that 
there was really nothing, no restaurants where the kids could be kids, you know, and it could, they weren't getting treated like second class citizens. And with because of that bad experience, I thought to myself, why not open my own place, you know? So, so, and I was getting a little burned out with construction. So I decided to design and build my own restaurants. Um, I modeled it out of a, a barn I had seen in a, one of my home building magazines mm-hmm. and uh, tore down some old barns that were built in the 1870s, rebuilt them into the restaurant. And awesome. um, here I am today. I, I love the point. I have to point out, I think it's awesome how you got out of the construction industry to get into something a little more, uh, you know, uh, relaxed, like owning a business, uh, <laughs> like a restaurant. I'm sorry, but that's, you know, that's funny. Uh, I mean, it's a great story. Tell us a little bit more about what you got going now uh, with yeah, Nick's Pizza and Pub. Like, what makes your restaurant so cool? Like, what is it that you're doing that's uh, really unique about you guys over there? Yeah, I think well, one was was focusing... I had a great recipe for the pizza and the beef sandwich and, you know, the Italian sandwiches. And so I had a great product. That was a slam dunk for me. Um, You know, my dad's recipe has been around 50 years now. And what I focused on more so than just the product was the experience for the guests. I wanted a place where families and friends could come together. You know, we have a lot of big tables. We we get walk-ins of 20s and 30s all the time on Friday or Saturday night. So I think that's that's one thing that we found where we've had great success is because we focus on the experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that experience is really wrapped all around our purpose, which is our dedicated family provides this community an unforgettable place to connect with your family and friends. They have fun and, and to feel at home. Mm-hmm. So now, that's what we do. Yeah, you know, I think it's really great. I mean, from the very beginning, you've you noticed that there is an issue with the experience. I mean, you got the idea from a bad experience you have. And I think a lot of restaurants fail early on because they they open the restaurant because of the food. And I mean, yeah. while having great food is totally necessary, what will make or break you is having that incredible experience that will bring people back. And that's been your focus from the yeah. beginning, from what I'm hearing. And I, I mean, that has to contribute to your success. And I think that's really cool. Um, before we dive into any of the questions, I've got to get a success quote for you, or f- from you rather, because this is a, a motivational, inspirational podcast. So what do you have to share with us today? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a quote that's, that stuck out for me for a long time, especially being in Chicago and a, and a Michael Jordan fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never forget because because of that that ability to step into what's risky and what we're afraid of, and and the and the okay of failing. His quote is: uh, "I've missed more than nine thousand shots in my career. I've lost almost three hundred games. Twenty six times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed." I failed over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Now, that, that's always been a little bit of an inspirational thing for me because it gives me the, you know, the, you know, the, I guess the confidence to say, you know what, it's part part of failing is is part of life, you know. So take the shot. Yeah, you, you know? got to take the shot. You'll you'll never know unless you if you you have to take the shot. You have to pull the trigger. Um, like they say so many times, you know, ready. Uh, shoot, aim. Uh, he, he's yeah. got to, you know, you got to start and you got to learn as you go and pivot and adapt. But you'll never know and you, unless you take that shot. And um, in, if you do come up short, look at those failures as lessons learned and use those lessons for, you know, to just to advance and to look ahead and to do it right the second time around. Uh, right. Yeah, that, that comes up often on the show, and it's it's I can't it really it really uh, resonates with me. I can't disagree by yeah. any means. <laughs> All right, so the first question I have for you, Nick, is what is your it factor? What is it about Nick that makes him so successful? Hmm. I would say it's the people that I have around me that that really is the difference, um, and. Because I believe in people, I, I think that's what I found uh, has driven me to develop the systems I have in my company and and do the things I've done. Uh, when I started the business, like many, I heard from many entrepreneurs, even my dad in the restaurant business, he's you know the, the old school thinking of you can't trust anybody. Watch out, they're going to steal from you. And yeah, there's there's two percent of people will do that. But I believe 98% won't. 98% do want to do the right thing. 
And and I've and I found by training people well, trusting them, believing in them, and of course tracking their performance. You know, making sure they're you know they're on track. I I found with that I've I've been blessed with a a ton of great people around me, and together we've had great success. So that's, that's awesome. And I mean, some of the other it factors I could kind of pull out just from researching you. Um, you have such discipline to stick with the things that you every business owner knows they should do, but only a few actually follow through with. And I'm sure we'll kind of tap into that as we get into the interview. But just that discipline to stick to your systems and to stick to your visions and your culture um, is so important. And if you break, everyone else is going to break. But if you are the person who leads with that discipline, uh, you'll everyone will fall in your wake. And I love your you mentioned how you know you, your social. I call it social intelligence. You call it surrounding yourself with people. But um, in order to be surrounded by good people, you yourself have to be good because people are attracted to like people. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely truth around that for sure. Um, and I like I like what you pointed out about the discipline. I think that's one of the things I really I really got from being in football and wrestling sports. You know, you have yeah, especially something like wrestling where you have a discipline for your your workout every day and you, and you know that if you stay at it when you get on the mat it's going to be one on one and how hard you've worked is really going to be key to whether you succeed in that match awesome. and, and yeah. if you don't there and there's no one else to blame for it you know so let's yeah i mean i love it i mean it's like you only people they like to put blame in other places but you'll only get out of your restaurant what you're willing to put into it and exactly. just doing the research about like what you put into your restaurant the, the money you've invested the time um the thought you've invested i mean and that's why you're you are so successful in my opinion or at least one of the huge contributing factors so yeah. all great stuff so can you share with us um a specific story nick that you you, you say your if factor is surrounding yourself with great people can you tell us about a time or and get like real detailed where you had just great people kind of help you get to that next level. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, really, I, I think it comes on a, on a day to day basis where there's not just one person, but you know, just the the rallying around. I started out with you know making pizzas and being around, being day to day operations with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, so so and I still have many of the people that we started with out of the 200 people that we have in our company, there's quite a few that started with me, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, from a bartender, from some of the bartenders, the servers, the cooks. So I, I think that, you know, just working side by side with them mm-hmm. and sharing and being transparent about the challenges that we've had with our open books and, and really having financial conversations with our team has really been something that I've learned from and has helped us succeed as well. Yeah, there, there's been, I had a great, I have a great consultant that helped me about seven years into the business, mm-hmm. Rudy Mick, and then he, he connected me with some other consultants. And, you know, so there was that part. But I really think the, the first seven years was being right alongside Sherry, the bartender, um, Mary the server, you know, all these, these people that were, you know, right next to us along the way. Mm-hmm. Nick, I love how you talk about open book service and really making it such a team effort and bringing everybody in on the decision makings. But can you, like, break it down to, like, a specific time, a moment where your team pulled you to the next level, these people you surround yourself with, that it factor. Like, how did that help you get to the next level of success? You know, we've got a lot of great training. We've done all these things from the very beginning. One one story that stands out to me is we we went through a tough time when the downturn in the economy. What made it even tougher for us is you know we had the second restaurant in Elgin, and then I was on track to open a third one in Chicago, and I had a piece of property. We had you know the plans. We were ready to pull the permit and start. I mean, we already started remodeling the place even before we had the permit. And the bank at that time, it was 2007, the end of 2007, the bank got bought out by, it was a great Chicago bank that was good for entrepreneurs. And they got bought out by one of the big banks. I won't name a name, but it was really unethical what they did. 
and they pretty much pulled the rug out from under us. And at that time, the economy was shifting and sales were going down. We were in a tough spot. And um, we had been a few months and we could see sales were going down. And we're had a, we already had a line of credit to pay for this third restaurant. I brought the whole team together in a meeting in the restaurant and all, most of them were trainers. And we have profit sharing for trainers that we pay every period. Okay. Brought everybody together and I said, we're, we're in for a tough road here. We have this big line of credit we have to pay on top of sales hurting right now with the downturn in the economy. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I just shared, I said, I'm not sure what we're going to do. We, you know, we're going to have to work together and come up with some good marketing ideas. And, and what the team said, they said, well, we, one of the things we want to do is we want to take our profit sharing checks. We want to put those back into the company. We don't want to actually take any of our profit sharing checks. To me, that was that was a really moving thing. Yeah. You know? That I mean, I think that just goes to show if you if you give to your people and you are a great leader and you always make it about the people around you. When the time mm-hmm. comes, and if you're always making it about other people and giving to other people, when the time comes that you need a, somebody to give a little something to you, um, yep. it will happen as long as you first put everyone ahead of you, you know, what goes around comes around. When you need yep. a little help and you have those people, those great people you surround yourself with, they will pull you along the way. They will support you as a unit. That's a great story. And I also love how you point out how earlier on, like, you surround yourself. Would, would, is it safe to say you surround yourself who you think might be better at you at certain things? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely have, uh, uh, you know, people that are smarter than me all around me. It's the best way to get by. And, yeah. and then that's where some of our, you know, a week later, we had one of our servers came up with a great marketing idea because what was going on in the community. So many moms were needed to work because their husbands were out of work. You know, it's a very blue collar area. There was a lot of carpenters and electricians and plumbers in the area and so many you know the housing just stopped so many of those guys were out of work one of our servers whose husband was out of work said why don't we do something where you know people people are canceling their vacations why don't we make next the little vacation for the week so we a staycation yeah yeah exactly it was a staycation and we and that's when we started the program where we, we did half price pizzas on Mondays for our guests, and and that we did that for two years. It was a huge success. Nick, that was an incredible story of just how this it factor of yours, being able to surround yourself with incredible people, just pulled you to that next level and helped you make it during a really bad economy. But can you share with us now a failure you had, a, a huge struggle you encountered, and how you overcame that struggle and what you learned from it? You know, that a lot of times you hear um, just build it and they will come mm-hmm. kind of metaphor, right? And the money will come and all that. I think I've heard that one maybe once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of that, you know, I mean, when I built my first restaurant, that's what I experienced. I, 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 as soon as I opened it, the place was jammed. And I honestly, I was so grateful because I wasn't, you know, most restaurants fail. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. And and I had similar success in the construction business. Well, I got a little bit too carried away when I opened that, that next restaurant in Elgin. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the dollars and cents so much. I actually didn't even look at our balance sheet. I lost track of our financial discipline, especially the balance sheet. Okay. That, to me, uh, you know, if there's any lesson I want to share with people out there is, yeah, you know, the... The creative creation of our menu and our training and all those things are really good. Don't lose track of your balance sheet and the fi- your profit and loss. You have a great financial discipline. Mm-hmm. I made that mistake, over over leveraged ourselves for that second restaurant, and then on top of it, went ahead with that third one. Just as the economy crashed, we were we were in too deep. We were making it. We were getting by barely. Until they went to build um, the Elgin and the uh, Sam's Club and Walmart came in and they were going to build this big super center, super Walmart across the street, which was good news, we thought, you know. <laughs> what we didn't count on, though, was the road construction that was going to happen over that whole year from April all the way through September. Um, that, that put us on – we already had one foot on the banana peel, one foot in the grave – you know? Yeah, so if you could summarize uh, what 
this this challenge in just a few words, would you say maybe it was growing too or trying to expand too quickly or too early? Yes, trying to expand too fast without without my fingers on the pulse of the balance sheet. And what would you say um, you learned? I mean, obviously, what you learned was to maybe plan ahead a little more, maybe take a little more time. But what was the biggest lesson that you took away from that? Was that that one to one ratio of debt versus assets? You know, I I, I missed that. You know, I lost track of that ratio, mm-hmm. and you know, I got too much debt. The other thing I learned, you know, so I made a huge mistake, and that was that was my mistake. I'm the one who built the, the second restaurant too big, spent too much money, yeah. and then was too aggressive to the third one. But it was my team mm-hmm. that really got us out of the hole. What I learned from that was I. I thought we were going to go out of business. I really did. I sent a, an email out to our frequent diner database. Most restaurants have frequent diners. Yep. Hit about 16,000 people on that database. And I sent it out to all of those guests and our team knew. And I said, you know what? It looks like we're not going to make it. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Um, I just wanted everybody to know it was my fault, not our team. And what happened next was amazing. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, the The community rallied together and they all came in over the next four weeks we had we uh, had a hundred percent increase in sales wow that's incredible. Uh, it, it was amazing and I, mean, I think it's just that that close tie you have with your community and just keeping it so authentic and so real with them it pays off and if you if you keep them in a loop and you make them feel like they're a part of the business all you need to do sometimes is just reach out and if that that real close connection is there um, just like your employees helped you, your staff helped you, your community will surround you. You said something really important, that if that real close connection is there. So, Eric, you know, we, we when we screw up, we start second-guessing ourselves, yeah. right? It's like, you know, I started thinking to myself, do I need steak? Should I have pasta on the menu? You know, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? You know, all this stuff. And when that email went out and these guests came in and then the stories that the guests were telling me and our servers and our bartenders, I had servers in tears, you know, because of the stories. That's when I realized what you just said. It was it was like, wow, we're actually everything we're doing is right on track. The purpose why we're here, our 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 service team is connecting with with these guests and creating these relationships Mm -hmm so strong relationships that I had little kids and parents coming in saying, please don't go. We want Nick's in our community, you know, and, and they were in tears. They're saying we come here as a family every Friday, every Saturday. That was so moving that I, I just got a huge message about, hold on a second. We're not doing anything wrong. What we need to do is do what we're doing even more. Yep. And, and because of that, we were able to survive. It's quite an Otherwise, awesome, we would have been out of business. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great story. Thank you for sharing both those short or a few stories with us. Um, we have to move on to the part of the show I call Knowledge Bombs. And you're just going to pepper us with just bombs of knowledge uh, about marketing and leadership and all that great stuff. So the first question I have for you, Nick, is uh, what's your advice on funding a restaurant to get that initial money to get started? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm the best person to ask that. <laughs> you know, I'm not really an authority on uh, on getting funding. I could tell you my experience, yeah, what I did. Um, you know, is, at my first restaurant, I was a carpenter, and I didn't have much money, so I I, I tore down the old barn, so I didn't have to buy new material. You know, so I, I I built the place myself. I worked after my regular job. I went there and built the place. I did. My buddies, so I didn't really have a lot of capital. I just did as much as I can myself and with friends that I knew. That's how I got through that. Um, when it came to the second restaurant, I did use my accountant, my CPA, to help me uh, use the money that we had built up and get a little extra round of, of financing. So I got a few friends and family to invest, you know, a hundred thousand dollars each to open that second restaurant. And that was just like not even one percent um, to help me, but that that got me over the edge. So that that's my experience. I know there's a lot of different ways to do you know smaller restaurants versus big ones, you know, or even a national chain to go out there and and the thing the thing that's important I think is finding 
of values alignment with whether it's a bank, whether it's investors, whether it's a lawyer and a CPA that's going to help you. Do they have the same belief system that you do, that each of us has? That's that's important because it, because it, the strategy and structure of the, of the deal is going to be different for everyone. So if I can narrow it down to three things, uh, you know, don't go out and find, don't borrow the money if you can. And if you didn't have a lot of capital, but what you did have is the know-how to build it on your own. And yeah. you had this prior business, so you had some of your own money to invest. Um, and go to friends and family before you go into banks is the second yes. thing I heard. Yeah. Uh, and get the help that get the help get the CPAs and the consultants but also get the help from people who resonate and synchronize with your culture and your mission so they're yeah. not only investing their time and money into you but they're also uh, cheering you on and yeah. they become a part of the team does that sound good? yeah that, that's that's what works for me So awesome I love it uh, the second question I have for you Nick is how do you find great people to work for you? So this this is better. This, you know, hiring and things like that are really right up my alley because I, I I've I feel confident about the success we've had. Uh, really, it's it's core to what you know because of the restaurants and the success we have. I've actually started teaching this to other restaurateurs and other business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a system because we have a clear set of values and a clear purpose. We actually put that on the cover sheet of our application. So now when someone comes in to apply for a job, we ask them to read the cover sheet. And if this feels like something you want to be a part of, this purpose and, and this set of 12 values align with the what you believe in, then go ahead and fill out the application. If not, that's okay. You know, then work somewhere else. That's all right. You don't need to even fill out the application. That's so awesome. that... Yeah, we're just sending a message right off the bat of what we're, what, who we're about, what we're looking for. Awesome. So, and that, that reminds me, I always talk about Chip Connolly's book, Peak. Uh, and he talks yes. about re- meeting those higher needs and uh, feeling like you belong is one of the higher needs that we all have as individuals. And if you, from the very beginning, make sure that person fits into your culture and your visions and your beliefs and they do belong, then the odds of them sticking around longer will be better. And that kind of... Uh, you also mentioned too. I don't mean to uh, get off subject before we we're talking about, but only hiring A plus plus employees, right? I think yeah. I, I read that in your article in Inc. Um, you only hire the best. Yeah. Do you like to well, that what we're what we're doing then, you know, we're starting out the process because because honestly, you'd probably know this: pouring a drink, making a pizza. The tasks are easier somewhat to teach than than a values alignment. Right? Yes. You want to have the right attitude and the right yeah. values alignment. So by setting that standard right off the start, now when we sit down and do an interview, we're interviewing for two things. We're going to ask open-ended questions to find out how these values show up in that person's life. Then we're also going to ask questions about performance. So we're going to measure their A-plus and see if it matches our A-plus. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll have... Uh, one example is before we even sit down, we walk over to where the interview is, and we're going to ask someone to walk through the restaurant and find three things. If it was Eric's Pizza and Pub, what would you do to improve? And come back and tell me those three things and move at a busy Friday night pace. Mm-hmm. So now when they come back and sit down, first we can ask them, here's the performance questions, right? Mm-hmm. As, ask them what their three things are. It doesn't even matter what three things are, but were they able to find three things? Yeah. And then what speed were you moving? What gear were you in? If you were a, a race car and you had five speeds, what gear did you move through the restaurant? Now, if you come back to me, Eric, and you say, me and the other person who's interviewing, if you come back and say, oh, I was moving at a four, and me and the other interviewer thought, oh, that was more like a two to yeah. us. <laughs> now, now we get to know that your A-plus is like this and ours yeah. is here. You know, or you might say you were a two, and we thought, wow, that was a three. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see that's, what you're doing. You're, you're constantly aligning yourself with your with your perception of, yes. you know, your, I guess, just perception of what reality is, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's all great stuff. Thanks for sharing. The next question I have for you, um, this kind of leads into, uh, you, we kind of talked about it earlier, but how do you keep these great people on staff? I mean, 
I read that you have 80% employee retention rate, which is just unheard of. I mean, the, the average is 150 in this industry, um, 150 people uh, turnover. Yes. 150% turnover rate, and you have a, an 80% retention rate. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, what's your secret? How do you do it? Well, the counterintuitive part is that the, the interview process is difficult. Um, and by making it hard to actually get a job at next, most people think, oh, no, it's going to be, you know, I'm not going to get people quick enough. Well, actually, what I've experienced is people are lining up out the door to try and get a job here because it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's the counterintuitive part. So, and and our 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 interviews are challenging because we're asking questions around that performance. We, you know, what I said, we just do throughout the whole interview, but they're only 15, 20 minutes long, and we do two for each person. Wow, uh, that's part of it. So that that interview process having a really strict system. The other thing too is we don't just interview when we need someone. We have interview times. We have them scheduled once a, at least once a week, mm-hmm. all year long. So now we're, we're we just practice interviewing every Thursday at three o'clock from three to four thirty, or three to four whatever time they have. You know, we're interviewing every week. So now we get not only do we my trainers our trainers get practice interviewing, we also get to find you know that eight, that rock star that. All of a sudden, sudden is available for a job. Walk walks in the door. We capture them instead of them going down the street to the other restaurant. Mm-hmm. And although we might not have a spot for them, we'll find a spot for them, right? And and by bringing them on board, we've actually raised the bar for the whole team. So now the team either steps up their performance, and maybe somebody we hired five years five years ago that was a plus might be the new C player. Yeah. It high, so that it changes the uh, the standard. That's that's awesome. Yeah. The, the so two that, things that's, I, that's sorry, a counterintuitive part because most restaurants are are only hiring, what I call hiring for a pulse. Right? They're just get a warm body in there because they're desperate. Mm-hmm. Versus always looking, always interviewing. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaway I'm getting from this is it might be an early big investment early on, but that investment that you put early on will save you so much money in the long run if you're constantly trying to replace people and not only the hit you're taking. For time to train that person, but the the mistakes new people make that cost money. I mean, you have to take that into consideration, and it might seem like a, ro- a lot of work early on, but in the big picture, the long term investment of hiring and going through these steps and having again that discipline like you have to, to, to keep on doing it and to to make that a standard. Um, it's really powerful stuff. Thank you, Nick. I wish we could talk more about this because I know you have. This is like your your forte, your strong point, but uh, we have to move on. Uh, the next question I have for you, Nick, is um, what advice do you have for teamwork and getting through those those heated moments and just how to to lead um, such a team environment? For me, it really is a, a collective purpose, really being clear about why we do what we do. Why does our company exist? How? Why is our restaurant, you know, different than anyone else's and as as the team you know the other thing is it, it just can't be a plaque on the wall that just sits there and collects dust especially as leaders we have to recognize performance that ties back to the purpose and actually use the words of the purpose and the values in recognizing positive behaviors so that purpose is alive and vibrant and then now whether someone's taking out the garbage or washing the dishes they know, our team knows, that they're doing that to create this unforgettable place, mm-hmm. like we say in our purpose. That's the difference. You know, the, I, I, you know this. I think I read this in your website about um, restaurants are a place where pe- people go to be restored. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, what we're all, that's really the opportunity we have as restaurateurs is to restore people's lives on a day-to-day basis. That's that's big work. Uh-huh. I love I love your vision. I love how you're explaining this, and it, what re- it really sounds familiar to me. I don't know if you're familiar with Napoleon Hill and his work, but he talks about yes. having that definite purpose in life, and it's not just having a definite purpose as an individual, yeah. um, but also if your organization and your culture has a definite purpose, then you are always working towards that purpose. And yeah. it sounds like that's what you do. And you also, and I have to bring this up because uh, it's really powerful, uh, you also talk a lot about trust and track. Can you explain that a little bit more for us? Yes. Yeah, the 
Well, when I, and this actually came out of the magazine article that Inc. Um, Bo Burlingham wrote about an Inc. magazine that you liked, that you enjoyed yeah, so much. Yeah. Uh, uh, when, when Bo was here doing the interview, he noticed, you know, my coaching style was similar to other, actually other people he's written about too. Ari, who's got Zingerman's and some of those other, you know, great yeah. restaurateurs. Um, Chip Conley, yeah. you know. Um, he said, you guys are kind of have this style, you know, and, and it's not command and control, right? It's not that old school, uh, and which makes sense. You know, command and control was in the industrial age back in the old days when yeah. we were a country of assembly line workers. Yeah. Well, now it's all about we're in the conceptual age. It's all about creativity, innovation, and change. And being a coach is really important. So that's what Trust and Track is. I, I believe in our team. I trust that they want to do the right thing. And I'm going to track their performance in a way that doesn't diminish the emotional power of trusting. You know, so it's not authoritarian because track by itself is just command and control and trust by itself is not effective because it's just trust and hope. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't, it's not a strategy. So hopefully that, that helps you. And in that Inc. magazine, Bo wrote about the ops cards that we have as a trust and track, mm-hmm. um, one of our trust and track checklists instead of a clipboard. Awesome. Uh, if, if, you, if you guys at home want to learn more about trust and track, uh, I do believe Ari Weinswag talks about it in his book. Um, I, I don't have the book on me, and I'm awful with titles, but it's been mentioned a few times on the show. Uh, check that out. And also, it really so- sounds very similar to stewardship leading, which is talked about in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, if I'm yeah, servant leadership is yeah, another one yeah, that's exactly. similar. Yeah. So uh, check those books out to learn more about this this uh, style of leadership. Yeah. It's really powerful. Uh, the next question I have for you, we have to move on. I mean, I would love to have you back on the show to dive deeper into this, yeah. but we've got to keep going. Um, where were we? Okay, so um, what is your best resource? I mean, can you suggest maybe one book or website or magazine that you think is a must-read for anybody getting to this industry? Yeah, I, I would have to say uh, a great resource is I have a ton. I, I one is one is to continue to read and continue to learn and smart brief. You know, there's there's those day to day things you know for restaurateurs that that help me a lot and keep me up to speed with what's going on in the in this industry. It's always changing. But really, one of the books that I think really made a difference for me is the Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. Okay, and that process of of having open books and using financial fiscal huddles. Again, uh, Ari does that at Zingerman's and uh, Jack Stack does it. There's a um, tasty catering also. Can you can you briefly uh, explain the importance of open books and what that is as, as briefly as possible? Yeah, so so I started with just have, sharing our, our profit and loss statement, our income statements, and just being open about our financials and transparent. Um, but I didn't have much success with it because people didn't know what the heck, how to yeah. read them, right? So what I learned from Jack Sack was actually taking our a snapshot of our P&L and putting it on a big whiteboard and having line items that the team members, actually we have a meeting every Friday at 4 o'clock for just a half hour, and together we have team members that will take a line item, they volunteer on a line item, and they have to forecast deliver and report on that line item. So what happens is we're all, we'll get 40 people around this and we're all talking about our numbers. We're actually, it learn, and it helps people learn financial literacy yeah. I mean, not and treats only, everybody like business owners. Exactly. Not only are you teaching them and investing in them to grow as individuals, but what's the, the, the way in people knowing what, how you're doing? Why is that important? Well, it, it helps you know, the one big fear is like, oh no, everybody's gonna know what I make. Yeah. You know, and and you don't have to have individual salaries out there, although we do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You can just have a category of here's management salaries, and this is this percentage. The important thing is that the team. You know, a lot of work day to day workers think, oh, you know, the owner makes boatloads of money. They just think there's all this money, and when we actually have the 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 P&L up there on the board and we work on it together, they see, wow, there's there's not as much profit in here as we thought. So so when the sales are up, you know, they can see why and how. And then when it goes down, they get to see that as well. Would you say it can, contributes to purpose? 
Oh, it, it totally reinforces our purpose and all of our values. You know, that, that's the important thing. One more thing I want to say about purpose and how it's different than mission or vision is that for us, purpose is present tense. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, even if you read ours, you'll notice that it's a collective I statement. So it's we or are, and it's in the moment. So now there is no striving to get somewhere someday. I, I, I can work on that better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's no, we have to do it right here, right now, and there's no wiggle room. So it becomes an action standard. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. And you said, again, that book was uh, The Great Game of Business. By Jack Stack, yep, right. and Bo Burlingham. Got yep. it. I'll have that in the show notes, guys. This is episode 99, so go to Restaurant Unstoppable slash 99. You'll find the links there. Uh, all right, so the next question I have for you, Nick, is um, what is your best marketing advice? Uh, I mean, if we could just narrow it down to one topic of marketing, what would you talk about? Yeah. Delivering on our brand promise. That, to me... Uh, we don't pay any. We don't do any advertising. We don't pay anything for advertising. We don't believe on door hangers mm -hmm. or any coupons. Coupons to me discount the brand. Door hangers are bad for the environment. You know all that stuff. What we rely a hundred percent on on word of mouth and social media and and we just share stories. That to me, it's we're 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 sharing stories about our guests and our team and allowing us the opportunity to deliver uh, at our best. Mm -hmm. And and then that talk, speaks for itself. No, what's really important, and I just want to add to that, a lot of people think they just need to be on social media like Facebook or Twitter. Um, but you need to be great and you need to have that brand promise and you, you need to be as awesome as you could be on the inside and all you're doing with social media is showing people how awesome you are but first you have to be awesome and that's yeah. I think the biggest lesson i've learned on marketing and social media with all these interviews is it doesn't necessarily matter if you're there um right. and you can be doing all the things right as far as how to use social media but if you're yeah. not awesome then it's not going to be effective and i think that's where we all have to start uh do you want to add anything to that yeah i can share with you a little secret i have yeah if you're interested Please do. Well, it, it's important that we engage our community and the social media because those are our fans. Yeah. And the trick, the, the secret I found is to use question marks. Okay. Ask our guests. It's not just, I'm not just yelling and screaming with exclamation points all the time. Yeah, once in a while for sure. But use question marks. Engage your guests. Ask them questions. Yep. Find out what they're what excites them. And, Absolutely. And that's, that's to me. And it, be, it can be a great surveying tool too. I mean, you can find out just simply by asking and putting it out there. Your guests will tell you what to do. But you have to ask and you have to put it out there first. So uh, great answers. Thank you for sharing those. So um, let's talk a little bit about technology. I mean, the, in this, our, our world is changing so rapidly today. And there's so many tools we can use, not only as uh, in our restaurants, but also as entrepreneurs, are there any tools that you use in your life or in your restaurant that you would suggest looking into to operate more effectively and efficiently? Yeah. For me, I, I think, you know, especially being as a carpenter, you know, the computers are like my hammer, right? <laughs> yeah. They are. They're, you know, and that's the way I think of them so that I could get the work that I really don't like to do out of the way, you know? So I think the tools like, you know, accounting software, like Compete or QuickBooks, whatever you do, you know, those, and and then the, a good point of sale system that tracks product mix and gives you the information you need fast and easy so that you could be with your team and you could be with your guests. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing to Absolutely. me. That, that's how I focus on technology. I'm not a big fan of using technology so that I can stay away from my guests. You know, like, mm -hmm. like some brands are looking at technology so they don't have to have servers. Uh, to me, that's that's not just not. Yeah, I don't not, get that, and I think a lot of people are afraid of they're going to lose all these jobs. But if that might be hot for a year or two, but it's so just disengaging and cold and not human and that's what this industry is all about so I don't we're in hospitality you know uh, exactly yeah. uh, what, real quick what is you said you mentioned a product mix what is that 
a product mix is going to tell you on the point of sale is going to tell you like your stars. Mm-hmm. It's going to tell you how much how many pizzas, how many cheese pizzas we sold tonight, mm-hmm. how many pepperoni pizzas we sold tonight. So on a day day to day basis, or you can break it down for a whole period or for a yep. month, a quarter. Um, it really helps us identify what's the stars on our menu and what's the dogs on our menu. Yeah, and that's it, really important. Um, I mean, especially the dogs because if. Maybe you have to change something. Maybe something's not going yeah. right. Maybe you just take it off the menu altogether. But well, it's a, yeah, I believe 100% in doing a food, tracking our food cost, not just from a cost of goods sold at the end of the week way, but also from a purchasing percentage as well. So our financials yeah. are really important to do daily and weekly and every month. Is there a specific service that you use just for the tracking and product mix? Or is that all tied into your POS? Yeah, well, we use the uh, Aloha POS, okay. and then we interface that with Compete software, okay. which is phenomenal, especially if you have two restaurants. If you have one restaurant, you could probably do a lot with QuickBooks, mm-hmm. but once you get bigger, um, Compete's a great, great software to help us because it also helps us track variances. If something gets wasted mm-hmm. or something spoils, yeah. things like that. And what, I mean, what, what we're talking about is being able to quantify, and we, talk, we learned about that in the E-Myth. Uh, you have to be able to... Uh, just be able to quantify what's happening so you can make those right decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next question I have for you, Nick, uh, what is your best business advice? So if you could go back in time and talk to the Nick in, what was it, 2000 or 97, was it? When did you first, your first location? 95. 95. So if you could go back to 95 and talk to 95 Nick and give him one piece of business advice, what would it be? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, yeah, it was pretty... Uh, Aggressive, yeah. It was uh, yeah, <laughs> coming out of construction. You can imagine, right? Aggressive. Can't tell you how many servers I had crying when I first started, <laughs> and quite a bit different than now. Um, yeah. So I would I would actually share the opportunity uh, about. It took me it took me many years to learn this, but the opportunity to understand why we do what we do and communicate that effectively to our team and our guests, um, not, not just on a personal level, but even more so get a collective purpose for an organization. It, from there, we could build effective leadership, effective companies, so many things. I mean, just like Simon, Simon Sinek says in his, uh, in his TED Talk, um, Start with why. I haven't heard that one, but I definitely I love TED Talks. I, I pitch it all the time here on the show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, just having that vision, and I, I'm going to look it up online because I, I'm going to mention the book again, and it's killing me. It's I think it's a, an anarchist. It's Zimmerman's Guide to Building a Great Business. I'm reading it now, and he really does go into detail in that book. Um, also, your book. You didn't even mention your book. I'm sure you probably talk about this. Why didn't you mention your book? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, it's yeah, my my uh, publisher. It says I need to stop being so humble about it. But, <laughs> um, and I have had, I, we just had a, a training session two days ago, and uh, I have gotten a lot of great feedback about restaurateurs, business owners and restaurateurs, mm-hmm. about how my book really is an effective how-to versus just, a, you know, a lot of business books talk about all these great companies, and mine is more stories about our team and how we're actually the lessons about the processes I'm talking around uh, around purpose values building thinking of your business as a school building a training program like we did that supports you know different levels of development mm-hmm. it's a you know a slice of the pie it's called a slice of the pie because it is building a company where everybody in the company gets a slice of the pie awesome I love it and I'm sure you talk I mean if you if your last piece of business advice before we wrap up is uh, have that vision, have that culture planned in the early on. Do you talk about that in the book? Yes, that's what the book is all about. So yeah. if you want to learn more about that, check out his book, A Slice <laughs> of the Pie. And also, uh, like I mentioned before, Ari Whiten's way goes into detail about visioning too. Uh, I'll have both those books in the show notes, uh, Well, as well as the book you'd mentioned, uh, A Great Game, um, or a, a Great Game of Business. Is that the... Yeah. Yep. Great game of business. Yeah, I'll have all those in the show notes. Um, we're going to wrap it up now, Nick. Uh, who is one indie restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great guest mentor on the show? Hmm. There is, there's a lot of them. There's, 
the guys from Boca here. Actually, there's this guy, uh, Mario Ponce and Tom Walters. Uh, Tom Walters is got a catering company here in Chicago. Um, he's a, a very much, he's, he's actually with me and Ari and uh, in the small giants community. And Mario Ponce is probably not as established as Tom. Mm-hmm. And he has a couple restaurants here in Chicago as well. Awesome. Mario and Tom, I am coming after you guys. We'll try to get you here on the show as guest mentors. I can't wait. Uh, now, just tell us, lastly, how, how can we connect with you if we want to come maybe work for you or learn from you? Uh, I know you do a lot of speaking. Uh, give us some contact information. Yeah, we actually, uh, because I love this so much, I've actually started teaching. People started asking me so much, I started te- teaching this. So we just rolled out a Nick's University online as well. So if you go to Nick's Pizza Pub, Dot com. You can get to Nick Cirillo, which is at nickcirillo.com, or the Nick's University. They're all connected. So just go to nickspizzapub.com and go take any one of those. Look at the restaurant, uh, myself, where I have blogs and I have books and articles about Trust and Track. But also, if there's restaurateurs that want to do some things, you know, whether it's food costing, hiring, interviewing, or building a culture, our Nick's University classes are available on there as well. Awesome. I'll have all those links in the show notes um, and to everything we talked about today in the interview. Nick, you were incredible. There's no questioning that you are unstoppable. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us so we can all uh, learn from the great people like you. Uh, until next time, I guess, and uh, please do stay in touch. Thank you, Eric. I'm really grateful for this opportunity to the work you're doing is amazing, and I'm really grateful that you're sharing this with so many people in the world. Thank Fantastic. You. Fantastic. I love every second of it, but thank you very much. Another great show here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Man, Nick just knows his stuff. I would love to get him back on the show to dive into some of the stories he shares in his book. Um, I just know, Nick, I'm going to reach back out to you in the future. The, the invitation's always open, man. Uh, you're an incredible mentor, and you just love to share your knowledge. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to learn more from you and to share what you know with our audience. Uh, I will have all the links to Nick's University in the show notes, uh, the links to his book as well. Check that out. I'll also provide the links to his online courses. They will be in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, if you guys want to get somebody on the show you think would make a great mentor, you know how to connect with me. Just email me at eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Also, always looking for different subject matters. Any questions you might have, just shoot them over to me. If I don't know the answer, if I can't find the answer, I'll find somebody who has the answer, and I'll have them on the show so we can learn together. And uh, that's what we're here for. We're a community to collaborate, to learn together, to share that wisdom. Uh, I'm loving every second of this. I hope you guys are too. Until next time, peace out.